When I talk about mommy wine culture, I want to be clear. I'm not talking specifically about a mother who is drinking a glass of wine. Like it's not just someone who happens to be a mom drinking wine. That's not mommy wine culture in my definition. In my definition, mommy wine culture is a social narrative that jokes or implies that moms need alcohol to cope with raising children. Welcome to the Messy Mom Podcast by Fit Mama and 30. I'm Bailey. And I'm Carrie. And the Messy Mom Podcast is all about ditching the idea of perfection during motherhood and embracing the messy, ranging from topics about pre and postnatal health and wellness, infertility, mom guilt, and of course, the craziness that comes with raising a family. So if you would like to live on this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review as this helps other mamas learn to embrace the messy with us. So get ready for 30 minutes of real, raw, and messy content. Let's get started. Hello, mamas. We are so excited because this is actually our 50th episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, We have a good episode for you, too. We have Celeste Yvonne who is also known as the Ultimate Mom Challenge on Instagram and Facebook. Carrie and I have been following her and her story for quite a while. She is five years sober, and she just basically talks about this thing called mommy wine culture, what that is. And she has a book coming out in September called It's Not About the Wine. And this whole podcast, we're just basically having a discussion about what mommy wine culture is, basically how it got started. There's a little history in there and just her overall thoughts on mommy wine culture and how it can affect someone who struggles with alcohol and someone who really doesn't struggle with alcohol. We talk about being sober curious and what that means and just a lot of information and insight into just overall wine culture. And I thought it was really interesting. I did too. And I think the little stuff that you don't think about, like like she even mentioned, like the onesies that are like, I'm the reason mommy drinks, like where you think it's, you know, could be funny and like, or the, the mugs, like the sayings that are like, we all like, or like walk by and laugh about how that can actually be pretty harmful. So she just brought up some really good points of like things that I've never thought about that to be honest. I hadn't either until she, when I was reading a little bit about her and like some of the things she said, I'm like, you know what? Like, or like the comments that she, I was like, that could have like a huge effect, especially on the certain, a certain person. Celeste, one of her parents was an alcoholic. So she talks about how that impacted her growing up and what that, the guilt she feels now. And it does, it just makes you think in an entirely different direction on how that can kind of spur thoughts in anyone. Mm-hmm. She also talked about how wine culture got started and it was actually years and years ago, but it wasn't necessarily wine. And I won't go into any detail because I want you to listen to the podcast, but I was really shocked by that too. Uh, that was probably the most shocking statistic <laughs> of how far back, but then you start yeah. thinking about the songs they came up with in that time period. And it's uh-huh. like, wow, this is, yeah. it really has been going on a long time. Yeah. So a lot of interesting little nuggets in here. And she has, like I said, an Instagram where she talks all about this. So if you've ever been sober curious or 
kind of interested in this whole topic, make sure to follow her at the Ultimate Mom Challenge. We'll make sure to put all of her her book title, her handle, everything in our show notes too. But we hope you enjoy. Hey, Celeste, welcome to the Messy Mom Podcast. We are so excited to have you. Hey, Bailey. Hey, Carrie. So glad to be here. Thank you guys for having me on here. Of course. Like I said, we are... We are thrilled that you are here and we think you're going to help so many mamas. But before we kind of get into everything that we're going to talk about today, why don't you just tell our listeners a little about a little bit about yourself, anything you you want to share? Sure. I am I live in Reno, Nevada with I have two boys, a 7-year-old and a 9-year-old. I live here also with my husband and uh, I was in corporate America doing marketing for about 20 years, but I quit about a year and a half ago to write and to have a little more control over my life. And I am an avid runner. I am currently training for my fifth marathon in Washington, D.C. I love Orange Theory, and I am five and a half years uh, alcohol-free. That is amazing. amazing. All of those So things. many. That's what I say. So <laughs> many amazing. We got marathons, <laughs> sobriety for five years. I mean, it just... and. Yes, yes, leaving corporate America. Bailey and I know Bailey and I know a thing or two about that. <laughs> yes, for sure. Wow, five marathons. That is gonna be. I know. Carrie and I do not run. So we think that I is admire runners. <laughs> I I I've only started well about 10 years ago. So I started, you know, later. I was never into running prior to that. So you could start anytime. Start anytime. Wow. Well, that is very, very impressive. Well, we have a ton to chat about with you. Like I said, we are so excited. And you had mentioned that you are five years sober. Congratulations. That's truly amazing. And part of this podcast is talking about mommy wine culture and just basically alcohol in general. Mm -hmm. So before we kind of dive into that, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what exactly is mommy wine culture and what do you think causes it? Yeah. So when I talk about mommy wine culture, I want to be clear. I'm not talking specifically about a mother who is drinking a glass of wine. Like It's not just someone who happens to be a mom drinking wine. That's not mommy wine culture in my definition. In my definition, mommy wine culture is a social narrative that jokes or implies that moms need alcohol to cope with raising children. So that's the distinction. I just want to be clear. I feel like moms feel enough shame for anything and everything. So if somebody can safely consume alcohol in moderation, and that's what they want to do, I am not here to shame or judge. You do you. So when I talk about mommy wine culture, I think a few problems come to my mind. And the first one is that these messages or this narrative that, you know, mommy needs wine. I wine because my kids wine. My kids are the reason I drink. I mean, these types of messages put the weight of our struggles to balance our home and work life on our children. Like, and this message sends the message that our children are the reason we're drinking. And as a child of an alcoholic, I have a real problem with that. Uh, You know, guilt and shame is something that any adult child of an alcoholic can speak to. 
and that will stay with them for their entire lives. So for us to be promoting this message, not just in casual conversation, but on t-shirts, on mugs, on onesies that our babies wear, I have a real problem with that. So uh, that's, that's one thing I think of when it comes to mommy wine culture. You know, I think another huge issue is it's distracting us from the real issues. Mothers are struggling for so many reasons. And if we're going to gaslight women by saying their struggles are something a glass of wine or two can fix, we are stepping away from what their struggles really are. I think of all the things that women struggle with, which is, you know, lack of postpartum support, impossible parenting standards. I mean, social media alone makes it feel like we're all failing in motherhood when you look at some of these feeds. Then, you know, simply the cost of childcare, the lack of benefits or flexibility at work, two reasons why I quit corporate America, unequal distribution on, of household labor, and then the mental loads. So there's all these things that women are struggling with, and it's coming out through this message of mommy needs wine. And whenever somebody is saying mommy needs wine, I need mom juice, all these things, it's just a symptom of so many larger issues at play for motherhood. And when we simplify it to a joke, we're making light of really important topics. And then, of course, the last piece that I take issue with with mommy wine culture is that it implies that alcohol is a, self, a healthy or safe coping mechanism, which is anything but. It's one of the most addictive substances on earth. And for us to be not only making light of it or jokes of it to mothers, but suggesting it to mothers who are newly postpartum, mothers who are more prone to postpartum depression or anxiety, and really in the hardest parts of motherhood when you are sleeping and you're on this new cycle, trying to learn all these new things about how to parent, throwing alcohol at them like this is it's something as simple as that. It can be downright dangerous. It was for me. It's, it has been for so many people I talk to. I just feel like we could be doing this better, and I'd like to see us doing this better. So it's something I'm very passionate about. It's interesting that, yeah, and like, I mean, I even experience it when you have like like the casual, con- like you said, it's so many places. And we you see, I know, Celeste, we talked about this before you jumped on, you know, you've kind of like almost... <laughs> filtered a lot of that out of your feed. But like Bailey and I talk about this all the time. You see so many reels that are like, it's like moms with this massive glass of wine. And it's like after a long day, like, you know, just the, they're, it's constant jokes. And like, I get how people use humor to cope and heal in a certain way, but this is like taking it to a whole nother level. Like this is making it be like, yeah, that's just what you do. It's the right thing. Like we all do. It's, it's almost normalizing. Like Yes, everyone. Every mom just drinks. That's what they do. Their kids, their kids drive them to drink. It's normal. It's like no, that's actually it's actually not normal. But our culture is making it feel very normal. Right. A lot of people tell me, well, what's the difference between this and the whole mommy needs coffee narrative? And of course, there's a lot of things that are different yeah. between the two. Nobody winds up in jail for drinking coffee and driving their children. <laughs> Nobody loses custody of their children for drinking too much coffee. I mean, there's. They're two very different subjects, whereas alcohol is a harmful substance. It's hurting so many people. It's causing so many deaths every year. 
And for us to just make such light of it, it's something that we in the United States have been doing for a really long time, but it needs to stop. It's, it's an inappropriate message and it's targeting a very, a, a market of moms who don't essentially know any better. When, when I first became a mom and I saw the mommy wine jokes, I, I thought maybe this <laughs> ignorantly, maybe there's something to this. Maybe alcohol is helpful. Maybe this is what people do at the end of the day. Nobody talks about the implications of trying to manage a newborn hungover. Uh, nobody talks about the implications of anxiety while parenting or how it affects, like if you are have, struggling with postpartum depression and taking medication for that, how it could negate completely the positive effects of that medication. And I'd like to see the conversation change. We can still talk about how hard motherhood is. There's other ways to do it, but we don't have to do it where it harms our children. We don't have to do it with a message that's really irresponsible. And that's where I think we need to, to find a different way to approach this. Yeah, it's even, I'm just like, just kind of reading through your stuff before we were coming to the podcast. It like brought me back to even like when I had, when my kids were young and you have like, you know, you have like a mom's group in your neighborhood. And even like the age, like three and five, when the kids are like listening to what they're, you're talking about and you hear someone say like, I'm going to need a glass of wine after day. I'm like, how, like you're saying, like, I'm like, wow, you don't, I don't say a lot of things around my kids, like to make them feel like they're making you feel a certain way. Like, and that's what you're, I know, I think that's what kind of what you were getting at the beginning too, but it was, it was like little things that kind of like, oh, that doesn't like, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't set right with me when you, when I know it's a, it's a joke, but at the same time you have these little kids who are very impressionable hearing mm -hmm. you talk like that. Yeah. They have no idea it's a joke. No, you know, they're not, they're not taking that as a joke. They're listening to every single thing we say and they are putting two and two together. You know, I see, you see the uh, Halloween costumes where the little girls dress up as mommy and they're holding a glass of wine. I mean, kids notice this stuff. They know what we're doing to cope. And in 10 years, they're going to want to start learning how to do it too. So let's teach them more positive ways to cope while they're young and impressionable, like you said. Do you think that social media was the start of mommy wine culture? Or do you think it's always been there pre-social media? So I did a lot of research on this for the book. And this whole mommy needs to numb out concept has been going along for a long time. It goes back to the 50s and 60s. When you think of the Rolling Stones, Mommy's Little Helper. That wasn't speaking to alcohol, that was speaking to Valium, but it was the same premise that mommies have been trying to escape, to numb out, to step away from the challenges they were facing for a long time. And once the government kind of got a ahead of the prescription drug issue that the country was having in the 60s and 70s, that's when the market kind of shifted to alcohol. And that's also when the alcohol industry ramped up its targeted marketing towards women. And what I think is in 20, 2009, 2010, 
when Facebook became everywhere, you know, everyone in the United States seemingly had a Facebook, that's when the message just really took off to mainstream because going viral was so much easier. One message could be so easily copied and shared across entire populations. And that message hit a nerve. For a lot of moms, it spoke to something that many of us, myself included, were we're dealing with, which is we are overwhelmed. We are exhausted. Nobody's listening. We're not getting any support from our workplaces. Give me a glass of wine because I don't know what else to do. Interesting. I know. Do you think the pandemic even made that worse? Big time. Is that what it was like? Yeah. You know, new data just came out. Uh, The Washington Post just did an article on this about how much Alcohol use spiked, not just with women, but with everybody. And as somebody who was in recovery during the pandemic, we all knew that this data was coming because we saw it firsthand. You know, when I think about the fact that alcohol is the cheapest, most readily available drug to adults in America, followed by the fact that it's the only drug we need to explain not using, this feels inevitable. And then when you think about the pandemic specifically, remember in March 2020, when just everything in the United States just seemingly shut down overnight? I think a lot of people don't know this, but recovery meetings shut down too. Local Mm -hmm. recovery meetings, local AA meetings, they all shut down. You know, one of the only businesses that did not shut down during the pandemic? The local liquor store. Not only that, but they expanded their services. Now they're offering drive-through and delivery. So, so many people in recovery at the time relapsed. We saw so many overdoses during that time. So when we see the spike in data, I don't think anyone was surprised. No, I don't know how you could be. Mm -mm. That's very interesting. I think it's very interesting. That's one of the only businesses that was still open. Yeah, it it was heartbreaking to watch. And then I remember my social media feeds at the time were just filled with these jokes about needing wine to homeschool our children, you know, grocery stores would put up, you know, get all your homeschooling essentials here. And they were directing you to the wine aisle, you know, and then the jokes about quarantinis, pandemic punch, it was clear a lot of people were using alcohol to cope during a very unprecedented time. Mm. So with that, I think that's a great transition into how are some ways we can kind of flip that script and support not only new moms, I, I think new moms, I mean, especially for us, we obviously are, we stay, we love the pre and postnatal space. That's where we help the most people. Mm-hmm. And that postpartum period is exhausting and overwhelming. And as you can tell, it just continues. Yeah. <laughs> but it starts there. So like, what do you think are some ways we can support moms instead of, you know, being their, you know, drinking buddy who comes over and, you know, uses humor like that to cope? What? Yeah. What strategies do you think we can start implementing or how can we start talking about it? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think what you guys are doing right now is helping by getting this message out there to a broader audience, speaking to the challenges of mothers, motherhood, but why uh, the mommy wine culture narrative is so problematic and maybe offering mothers genuine support when they're struggling and not end capping somebody's essentially cry for help with a joke without you know letting letting people have that opportunity to be vulnerable 
and get their needs met. And instead of just laughing it off, like it's something funny or something that alcohol could ever fix anyway. So, I mean, I think it's, it would start there. There's so many things systemically we need to be doing and it, it comes down to legislature. And some of that is starting to happen. I'm reading there are sites and there's social media feeds that are focused on giving mothers prenatally and postnatally better support and paying attention to that, following those accounts, seeing how you can support them how you can support their message and their lobbying efforts. You know, some of these things are going to be a lot harder to do on a grassroots level, which like the cost of childcare. I mean, there's some things mm-hmm. we just can't do individually, but when we start having these bigger conversations, we can kind of help create a more powerful wave to change. And that's what I'd love to see. You know, I think about postpartum support? And how do we get better screenings for mothers who are struggling with depression or anxiety without them feeling like they have to lie to protect themselves and their children? Because mm-hmm. that's still a stigma that so many of us face. And a lot of us go to our doctors and not feel like they can 100% be honest with them because they just can't trust what would happen if you were. So I think about that. The other thing is when I think about the mental load of motherhood, you know, which is the responsibility of parenting and household duties, but in addition to the emotional labor of setting the tone for the house, uh, coordinating calendars, being the family planner, you know, all these things that are included with that, there's things we can be doing to lessen or lighten our mental loads as mothers, which is a more equitable distribution of labor on the home front. You know, if we're in a, a partnership with somebody else and um, having those conversations is a really critical start to making that kind of change. And we're not having, I, not many of us are having those conversations either. So that's something else I would love to see. And that's something we can be communicating with mothers who are you know, really in the trenches, really struggling, is that there are things we can be doing right now to support our own individual mental health. That's what I was going to say. I feel like even for me, it's just finding different things. Like I think part of like the social norm too is like, I think I read this, you read this too, is it's like, you okay, so you have a free hour on a Wednesday. What does everyone want to do? Let's go to happy hour. Right. It's like, well, my idea of like fun is like, and Bailey, it's like, I like, like, we need to like switch that to like, why don't we go try a new workout class? I mean, I liked, we, the three of us like to work out. So it's easiest for us to say like, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I get not everyone's like, yes, let's go to workout class, but finding different things to do versus just like, it doesn't have to just be like, let's just sit at a table and go have a drink and complain about. It's more <laughs> of like, what can we do to like uplift? Not that we can't talk, like you can have real conversations and it doesn't have to involve always going to the same restaurant and having the same happy hour. Yeah, I mean, shaking it up is such a great start, you know, suggesting more than just going out for drinks, which is kind of just, that's the assumption, you know, that's mm-hmm. the first thing people offer. But even if you do go for drinks, I, I mean, I swear, every time I go to a new restaurant, I'm seeing more and more mocktail menus coming up. And, you know, ordering that mocktail or mm-hmm. having that conversation with your friends about why you're not drinking and 
and kind of breaking that stigma of, you know, this isn't something I'm ashamed of. This isn't something to hush, be hush hush around. Like I'm not drinking right now. And I, here's, here's why, or, or don't explain yourself at all. It's like just making it just a non issue instead of something where you feel like you have to keep it top secret and nobody can know, which is kind of how I went into my sobriety, that this is something that nobody could ever find out because I would be shamed for my, <laughs> for my friends and family for the rest of my life. <laughs> and of course, now I'm the exact opposite. I'm so vocal about it. I probably annoy the heck out of everybody <laughs> regularly. But I, I think there's so many things we can be doing. You know, I think about having these conversations in our networking groups or even at work to say, you know, you don't even have to say you don't drink, but can we have, can we offer cocktail and mocktail options? You know, can at this networking, networking event, would you mind putting together some, some non-alcoholic options? And at work is the same thing, especially, you know, if you are in a toxic work environment, a toxic drinking work environment, they should be more than happy to accommodate mocktail options for whatever the the social gathering is. They probably just didn't think of it. And those are suggestions mm-hmm. we can make to not only probably have less people drinking at the event in general, because the options available and causing less chaos at what could be a disastrous work party or, or <laughs> <Yes>. whatnot. <laughs> but everyone has Christmas work party. Oh, yes. <laughs> You know, guilt. <laughs> Me more than anyone. But <laughs> these are the kinds of conversations that can essentially reshape what going out, what events look like, what parties look like. I do not have like it's been five years, you guys, but five years in, I do not have a single family gathering with my in-laws where they do not bring non-alcoholic beer and mocktails for me. I never ask, they just do it. This is how we change things. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it requires people who are thoughtful, of course, but it's when you kind of shift the expectations and have these conversation, conversations, we make these changes and they're for the better. Mm-hmm. Are you currently pregnant, postpartum or beyond? Lucky for you, Fit Mom and 30 has an exercise and nutrition program for every stage of motherhood. And the best part? The workouts are 30 minutes or less. We know there are about a million online fitness options at your fingertips, but our science-backed and doctor-approved fitness and nutrition programs are designed to support you wherever you're at. From safe and effective pre- and postnatal workouts to our 30-minute strength and cardio conditioning classes, there's truly something for everyone. Did we also mention that we have seasonal recipe guides to nourish not only you, but your entire family? Because let's face it. Ain't no one going to be making multiple meals in my house. We know finding the time to exercise and eat well can be challenging once you become a mom. And that's exactly why we started Fit Mom in 30. We want you to find your groove again with fitness and nutrition, which is why you can try any of our Fit Mom in 30 programs completely free for seven days. And if you decide you want to stick with us after the seven days, you can get $10 off your membership. All you have to do is enter the code podcast at checkout. For sure. And I can kind of relate to like, for example, especially a bunch of my friends, it's like, if you don't order a drink out with your friends, it's, Oh, you're pregnant. Aren't you? You're definitely pregnant. And it's like, 
actually, no, I just, (laughs) I just don't really feel like drinking tonight. And I feel like that's everyone. It's like, gets, you know, a beer or wine. And then if someone says, no, I think I'll just have a Coke or something. Everyone's eyes immediately go to them. Like, Oh, do you have something you have to tell us? So it's just kind of this awkward like situation when it shouldn't be. So I love exactly what you're saying that we need to make it the norm that just because someone doesn't order a drink, doesn't, you know, it shouldn't be a big deal at all for any reason. Right. And unfortunately it is like that. I like, especially when you are always have been considered the heavy drinker, like I have been most of my life. When I was pregnant, you know, I would walk around with drinks that I never drank, but I just didn't want people to think I was pregnant just yet because we weren't ready to tell people. And I, it just makes me laugh now because how we bent over backwards because God forbid, you know, anybody think, well, we're just not drinking. Mm-hmm. What a concept. Yeah. But <laughs> here we are. <laughs> and now, of course, you know, I, I, I'm happily telling people about the fact that I don't drink, but I have to tell you when I first quit my first year sober, I did not tell anybody. I mean, the only people who knew was my mom and my husband, because I had so much shame. I felt like I lost my adulting card and was now forced to sit at the kitty table for the rest of my life. I felt like this was something to be embarrassed about and ashamed of. And the last thing I ever wanted was for people to think, oh, she had to quit drinking. So I didn't want my first year of sobriety. I didn't want to be the token sober person. Like I didn't want to be the one who says, don't forget the sober people. So I am more vocal about it now, understanding that I'm confident. I feel comfortable enough to do that. And also knowing some people aren't there yet. Some people will never be there. And that's fine too. Like there's no wrong way to approach this, but at some point, somebody needs to open these doors to be more inclusive for people who aren't drinking. And if that's going to be, you know, the role I play right now, I am happy to take that leap, but there other people can be doing it too. And it doesn't require you to even be permanently sober. Anybody who's exploring a sober lifestyle or wants to support their sober friends can be the one that says, hey, you should consider including sober options at that barbecue. It's pretty mm-hmm. simple. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I also like how you said, like, I think it's time to really start. I think some, some cups, we always talk about corporate America, we're, we're all throwing gone. But for those people who are, I mean, I have this conversation with, even with my husband, who's very much in it. And like, so he works for a smaller company and there's several females in the office and like over COVID, luckily they got more flexibility. And that's, we had this conversation. I'm like, imagine how many women would return to the workforce if you said, you know what, if getting your kids on the bus in the morning is important and you can't be in till 930, then you should do that. Like those little things, I can't imagine the stress it would take off of like, again, like if you start adding up the reason why some people drink and it's all these stressors, if you can eliminate simple things like, okay, come into the office at nine, it's not that big of a deal. Like that as a mom is like, I get to put my kids on the bus today, or I get to pick my daughter up every at four 30 and take her to practice. Like those are life-changing things that people don't understand what that takes off your plate. If you allow just like, it doesn't have to be this crazy amount. Those little things add up. Having that flexibility at work is so critical. And yet so few companies offer that or are supportive of that. 
You know, some are, but more need to be, you know, as we have more people returning back to the workplace post pandemic, I look at that now and I'm just like, how, how could I possibly go back to work when I, I'm taking my kids to two different summer camps. I, I'm in charge of all the driving. And then when something happens and my kid has to stay home, now all of a sudden I'm in charge of watching the child for the day. I mean, you just can't predict what's going to happen at any given time. And to be expected to be at work from eight to five every workday, it was not designed for a mother. It was never designed for a mother. And for us to assume that mothers can shape shift to magically fit into this without losing anything else or any part of her identity or life is ignorant and ridiculous. If people want to be more inclusive of mothers in the workforce, they need to be more accommodating of a flexible schedule, of the challenges that mothers are currently facing around all these things, including mental health, the mental load, and uh, generally, for many of us, sadly, being the default parent. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. So Celeste, you have another huge accomplishment. And that is that you wrote a book, which is amazing. It's called, It's Not About the Wine. So we would love for you to just share anything you want, anything and everything that you want about this book. Yeah. I was telling Carrie earlier that this book started a few years ago and then the pandemic happened and the book completely changed. And I'm so glad it did because everything of what I thought about mommy wine culture, about my own sobriety journey and about how we can support mothers change too. And it kind of ripples throughout the book. I want to create kind of a sober movement where people can feel empowered in their sobriety, where there's no shame or stigma, where anybody can get sober curious without fear of being talked about or ridiculed or mocked that this is just a normal thing for anybody to to try and experiment with and just see where it goes. So when I wrote this book, you know, one of the things I was thinking about was the effects mommy wine culture had on my own life. And of course, my thought was, it's not that simple, right? It's mommy wine culture is just a symptom of all these larger issues And why aren't we talking more about the impact of the mental load of motherhood and how it really puts us in this place where we do feel drained, weak, uh, susceptible, and needing something to cope, which is when a lot of people turn to alcohol. So that's kind of what the framework of the book started from. But over time, I had... I talked to other sober mothers about their journeys. I did a lot of research. I talked to experts and therapists about what they recommend. And in the end, I I came up with these ways that mothers can find support, can take care of themselves, and can break through some of the heavier parts of the mental load of motherhood without wine. You know what? Also, one thing that you you said that actually made me think, I feel like some people the wine and the motherhood, it almost becomes a habit. Even if you weren't, like, even if you were someone, I mean, cause I was even, can even say I was guilty of this. Cause I'm like, I can have like a couple of glasses of wine, but I feel like postpartum, it was like, 
I, I just had a glass of wine to sit down at night and it was like signified the end of a day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't even want to drink wine right now, but it almost became this habit till you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> this can be tea and I'd be just as happy, but it almost just created this habit. Yeah. And I think some people just get into that. Like it's just a habit of something they do. We're all such creatures of habit. Oh my, it's crazy. That's why I think finding a mocktail or alcohol alternative and replacing it, if you do have that habit of, I just need something at the end of the day, is such a great way to kind of switch that out. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, it's so simple. Like it's such a simple thing, but it can meet your needs in all yeah. the same ways without the headache later. Yeah. Or like, I love what, I love what people are like, there's some health benefits to wine. No, there's not. <laughs> no, no, there are not. You're not getting your antioxidants from wine. I'm sorry. We can, we can, we can, we can take a hot Paul, Paul podcast on how you can get your benefits from other places. Exactly. <laughs> well, and I think too, I feel like your book is coming out at a really good time because I do feel like there is somewhat of this, I don't want to say movement, but from what I've seen, at least from my social media feed, is there's a lot of people that are kind of interested in so- being sober curious. And even a few of my friends, you know, they didn't have any issues with alcohol before, but they're like, I just want to see what it would be like, you know, to not drink for an X amount of time. Well, then that turned into six months, which now it's been well over a year. They're like, I kind of just enjoy life better. I feel like I see clearer. I I don't feel like I need alcohol. So I do see that a little bit more. And I don't know if it's just because it's like I said, of some people in my circle. And maybe it's, you know, people it's, you know, how Instagram and social Friends, media yeah. it's thrown, which is really creepy. Yeah. But I, I do notice I am seeing that a little bit more. And I think like you had mentioned, you know, it's can be for if you're just sober curious too. We're seeing it rise in popularity. I mean, the growth of dry January and dry July and sober October is significant. Mm-hmm. And if you also look at the non-alcoholic and mocktail market, it's exploding Huge. right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's just you. I don't think it's just, you know, Carrie and I were talking about how my feed is kind of curated now. It's pretty sober positive. But I think in general, that that is trending. And it's a great thing. I, and we're hearing celebrities uh, speak more about being sober curious. I think all these things add up to help break that stigma that you need to have a reason to not drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I have a question for you because you mentioned celebrities. I won't say names. What do you think about the celebrities that don't drink, but then make alcoholic beverages to sell. I'm just genuinely curious. It's it's such a great question because you know it can go either way, right? People everyone's gotta everyone's gotta get a check, but at the same time, your entire brand is built in part on you telling the world, I'm sober, I'm sober, I don't drink, I don't drink. And then you build this this alcoholic beverage that you're selling. Uh, I was talking to my agent about it because we were like, just, we were just having a fun conversation and, you know, we were like, you know, it's all about the money. It's just, it comes down to money at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. values aside, everything else aside, it, it's all about getting that, that check at the end of the month. And everyone's going to do that differently. You know, 
who am I to say that if I was this mega celebrity and somebody told me they would be sending me a check for a million dollars a month by throwing my name on some random brand, I, I wouldn't say yes to it. So, you know, it's hard for me to be like, no, never. How mm-hmm. dare they? But at the same time, I have to imagine their brand will be impacted by it some mm-hmm. way, somehow. Yeah. And I think there's actually multiple celebrities that don't are. drink that actually have alcoholic beverage brands, which has just always been interesting to me. So I was totally, you know, still on topic <laughs> in a way, but I was just curious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Because it's also been in the news a little bit. It has. I know. (laughs) You know, I I actually, I've written about it in the past and I was told by some people to stop adding, stop including names because I don't want to burn any bridges. (laughs) So I don't name names anymore, but that's kind of, it's, you know, it's a give and take. And if that, if the value of their brand in sobriety is not important enough for them to not monetize off of, then, you know, that's what they want to do with it. But I have to imagine for some, for others, they would rather maintain, you know, this sober stance that they have lived for a certain, certain while and stay with it because that's part of a message that they have put out there for the world for so long. They don't want to give mixed messages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, Celeste, this has been awesome. We have we have one question we ask every guest. So we have to ask we have to ask this before we wrap up. What is a messy mom we call a moment that you can think of? And if you can't think of one or one that you don't want to share, what advice do you have for moms to just embrace the messy? I can think of so many. I know that's I'm like I'm not short on any messy mom moment. I, I have different tiers for how yes. bad we want this to go. It's a, it's your it's your it's your episode. Yeah, share what you want. Okay, so this was uh, my messy mom moment last Friday. I was doing an interview. You know, Carrie mentioned this earlier, and about so my. Backstory is my my youngest son was kicked out of day camp the day before for doing, you know, it was a three strikes you're out policy. He did three like stupid, stupid things. So they said, I'm sorry, you got to pick him up and he can't come back tomorrow. So Friday, I was home with my child. Uh, My husband was working from home too. And I had this interview and like 10 minutes into it, internet goes out. My son had unplug the internet so he could plug in the paper shredder. Like, oh, this will end well. Of all things. Of all things. And so I'm screaming, I'm freaking out. I'm talking to the people in the interview. Okay, I'm going to get it back on. I'm going to get it back on. It takes forever to reset. I get back on. We restart the conversation. And my husband doesn't realize that the Wi-Fi went back on and he pushed reset again oh, and the interview no. went off again. And I was just, I like, Are I was practically in tears. I was just, I was so done. I was so burnt out. I was so angry at like the situation and that my son was home from school and that my husband, you know, was at the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. It was definitely a messy mom moment. Yes. Yeah, I could see that would well, be a similar reaction. For all of our listeners, sounds a little bit like me trying to get ready for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh hey. man, I can feel you on that. I mean, <laughs> but hey, we made it. We're both here. We made it. 
We're, we made it through. We're mom entrepreneurs. You're going to have to give us a lot of grace. All right. Yeah. I'm going to start demanding it. <laughs> Celeste, I feel like I can feel what you felt like, like in that moment. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> because I would have been like, ah, like, oh man. Yeah. My, my face probably turned like the shape of a, or the color oh. of a tomato. Cause I was just like, <laughs> uh. like, you can excuse it once, but you can't excuse it twice. <laughs> like, here we go again. <laughs> That's okay. Well, so get, this has been, oh, go ahead. What'd you say, babe? Did you get through it? The interview the third time? Yeah, sort of, but <laughs> God only knows what came <laughs> out of my mouth. <laughs> they had edit, edit. Yeah, keys. I can't vouch for what was said. <laughs> <laughs> Celeste, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, we just really, we've, we've, I said this before, we've been following your Instagram account for a long time and we just love your honesty, your vulnerability. Um, I think you're going to help. You've already helped so many moms and I can't wait to see what your book does and just you coming on a podcast and just sharing your passion behind it. We, Bailey and I should wake, I feel like, you know, our passions clearly drive what we do. So we get on here and talk about things that other people don't. So I love that we share that same thing, you know, you get on here and maybe it's not exactly, I'm sure you don't always want to come on here and be vulnerable and share, but you show up, you do it. And it's, I mean, it's been amazing. I've learned, I've learned a lot. It's been eye opening and educating to me. So I'm just really excited to see what your book does and what you do. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. You know, I just can't believe I'm here talking to you about sobriety. Like if you had told me six years ago that I'd be here on a podcast talking about sobriety, I would have laughed as I guzzled more wine, but here I am. And I I just feel like if anybody takes anything away from this message is that, you know, sobriety isn't deprivation, it's liberation. And you really have nothing to lose by taking a break from alcohol and you have everything to gain. So it's worth getting curious about. Beautifully put. I love it. Speaking of, if you want to just tell our listeners where they can find, like, where do you like to hang out? Where can they contact you? Or where's the best place for them to kind of, you know, get a little, a little dose of your, you and your story and what you're kind of trying to put out there? Yeah. So I am on Instagram and Facebook for the most part when it comes to social media at uh, the Ultimate Mom Challenge. I'm on TikTok, but not as much. And then my book uh, that comes out in September is It's Not About the Wine, The Loaded Truth Behind Mommy Wine Culture. And that'll be available everywhere books are sold. Awesome. We'll put all that in the show notes too. And we'll be happy in September to make sure we blast that out too. Because I think mm-hmm. that would be, that's going to be a great book. Mm-hmm. Thank, you. Thank you both. You're very welcome. Thanks again. And until next time, moms, thanks for hanging with us. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. You can find us on Instagram at fitmomin30. That's F-I-T-M-A-M-A-I-N-3-0. And let us know what you liked about this episode. We love hearing your feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show on our website, www.fitmomain30.com, along with our programs for prenatal, postnatal, and beyond. Until next time, bye mamas. Bye.